Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight it's really a big pleasure because I have Rich Dorfman on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Hi, Rich. How are you? Good, Greg. How are you doing today? Super happy and super thrilled to kick off the discussion with you, with you and to, spa, to discuss about your career at Eastern Bank. And therefore, let's really kick off the discussion. And as usual, we want to learn a bit more about you. Therefore, could you please introduce yourself? Of course, Greg. Rich Dorfman, I have been with Eastern Bank for 15 years now. I started and continued to run the customer experience discipline at this organization, which is over 200 years old. So we've been around since 1818. And my role, as I presented to and shared with our colleagues, is to help our business line leaders and support group leaders make better, more informed decisions based on data, specifically customer feedback data to help them bring voice of the constituents that part of our brand into this co-creation process. So as an insight partner, my job is to bring that insight into the day-to-day decision-making so they can make these decisions with their customers in mind. And I think you're you're doing that since a while. For a while. So you pick up a thing or two over the years. And again, The CX practitioner is an always-on, always-evolving role because nothing stays the same, especially customer expectations. So it's always a moving target to create a loyal customer base. Oh, and I think that that's really important. Customer expectations are really increasing. But before we start deep diving, something more about you. Which values drive you in life? Well, essentially living in believing in the golden rule you know we're all we're all customers we're all people we all have expectations we we want to have folks treat us fairly with respect to know us it's basic human principle so it's it's a it's a philosophy we probably all grew up with and you know sometimes organizations forget that and our job is to remind to apply the golden rule organizationally to treat as you would like to be treated. And that means all of the things that we're going to talk about in a moment. Thank you very much. And the, I think the moment it's now, let's really kick off the discussion about your career at Eastern Bank. You are at Eastern Bank since more than 15 years. Could you please uh, highlight some key achievements from your experience leading the customer experience efforts there? Well, chief among them is is bringing a whole new set of insights to the organization. When I started 15 years ago, the role was created to basically say what I mentioned, to create a, 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 a better understanding of data, to augment bankers' experience, and data meaning marketplace data, customer data. I don't think in the job description back then, or even still today, the, the customer experience role was actually embedded in that. In the early days, when I was introducing my role and how it was going to help, I learned from our colleagues, you know, they had tons and tons of data about what customers do, what they have, how long they've been here, the products and balances they have. 
But when I ask the why question, several why questions, as a matter of fact, in terms of why people bank with you or why they leave, if that's the case, or why don't we have more of their market share? Wasn't getting a whole lot of insight. In fact, pretty much blank stares along the way. So over time, and still today is, is, is part of that journey, is to bring the organizational understanding of experiential insights, that which augments and supports and integrates with all the operational data that we have had for generations. So we're now incorporating that which we have to get through the human mind to be part of our data of repository so that we can have the why that goes with the what. So that is now something our organization fully embraces. And one of the biggest achievements that any CX practitioner hopes to to, to arrive at. I, I clear. And I think you are touching extremely important topics. You customer expectation increasing dramatically, the topic around data and why we are doing that. And the big question from the top executive, why the competitors are better than us, are getting more customer and so on. Perhaps could you share a bit without any secret for sure, uh, the strategic roadmap that you developed for the future CX improvements? Well, you know, the strategy of the CX can't be in isolation of the corporate strategy. They have to be hand in glove. So, and that's where you create executive alignment and commitment. So you never forget what the top of the house is trying to achieve. So you have to stay attuned to and in line with what's going on at the strategic level at the top of the organization. And while I don't interact at the C-suite every day, I do pretty much with the business line leaders whose charges are also to be aligned with the corporate objectives. So for example, When I sit in staff meetings for my uh, business banking or retail banking colleagues and understand the the pain points that they're working through and the challenges that they have with their customers and even with their employees, what are some of the insight tools that we can lever to bring more value to that uh, part of the, the organization? So what I try to do, Greg, is be aligned with, with, with who they are, be a, have a seat at the table, be their insight partner, just like they have a technology partner or, or a HR partner. You know, I, 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 I say to them, what are some of the missing things that you'd like to know? If you had perfect knowledge, help me fill in what you would like to know and what you would like to do with what you learn. Uh, and then I formulate that into an insight tool, whether it's a survey or a focus group or an interview or an idea generation session to create that that fill in that I would I wish I knew statement or statement to create that insight that they're going to take. And here's the deal: once we collect that insight, there's always actionability aligned with that. It's not just insight for hey, that's nice to know. It's how are you going to apply what you know to make some improvement in the lives of the stakeholders, your customers, your employees, your third-party vendors. And when you then layer in that action item, that's where it's the lather, uh, rinse, repeat methodology. How did that thing do when we introduced that new improvement? And, and, and again, we, we tend to look at scores, CX people, as well as the folks we're reporting up into. We love that NPS score and the overall satisfaction score. And I try to tell people, yeah, scores give you trends. and They don't tell you where you're going or why you're going there. So we're also trying to bring the 
the the the derivatives, the the directional, the root cause, the systemic values behind the ratings, so that we can give our leaders a sense of why folks are giving the feedback that they are to theme out what are some of the improvement opportunities. So this whole process is about embedding this dynamic, always iterating, always learning, always inquiring, always keeping all of our listening posts on active and engaged so that we we stay attuned to our stakeholders' needs as they change and evolve. And the important thing here that I learned is that it's not a it's it's not the responsibility of just the CX person or, or team. It really is the responsibility of the entire organization to own and value and engage with the customer, whether you face them or support them through the back office. So my job is to bring the insights to light, help with some implications for action, but to engage with our colleagues so that they become part of the solution and work with the customers directly to to solve their issues and understand them so that we can solve them. So it's decentralizing this in a way that we all are rowing in the same direction and all striving toward the same goals. The, the process you are describing, it's, it's incredible. It's, let's say, the perfect process, getting insights, creating actions, creating accountability, and continu- continuous learning. For a lot of people, perhaps not being part of the, of the banking industry, the, the first question that popped to, to the mind is, but you have also customers. Are they willing to share feedback with you? Are they willing to discuss with you? And also from an employer, from a bank point of view, are you allowed to discuss and speak with the customer and so on? What's your view on that? What are your learnings? First of all, people will give their feedback, especially when you demonstrate, A, that you are hearing them. B, that you are understanding what they are saying, and C, most importantly, that you are demonstrating actions based on what you have learned. When you close the loop individually to the each customer and collectively to the base, that you do those things, that brand stands out from the rest and saying, I hear you, I understand you, I'm acting on your best interests. That creates the motivation for customers to give uh, their their candid feedback because at the end of the day, they chose you as an organization to fulfill some job, right? They want you to succeed because they chose you and their, your success is their success. So together, if we can create advocates by folks feeling like they have a they stakeholder role in the success of the organization. In other words, they're co-creating value. And when they realize that their voice is that is part of that process, they are highly willing to not only give a little bit of feedback, they have a lot to express. And that's part of the challenge here is to not just give a one-word answer or check the box, but to encourage them to give full storylines around what it is and why it is they are giving the feedback. So that's the challenge because a lot of organizations are doing this. The best ones do it well. I think what you are saying, it's clear. And this this the, the difference between average and excellence. You mentioned something that that I think it's it's also interesting. You said this is not only the task of the CX team of of the CX professional to get these insights, define actions, and then and then uh, being accountable. 
how did you create throughout your career these fans these ambassadors of of what you are doing that you can get the support also from the different departments a lot of patience a lot of persistence early days was i don't i don't want to open up the kimono to the to, to feedback i'm afraid of it yeah feedback can be scary and, and i guess it can be but when i say to the folks and you know fortunately we we've come past that obstacle i say to them or have said to them look your your customers are thinking and feeling a certain way anyway right they they're humans they 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 have perceptions of you and the brand would you rather not know what they're thinking or would you rather have that intelligence so you can do something about it and when they heard it in that way it's okay they'll dip their toe in the water oh it wasn't so scary and by the way guess what? We're a pretty good brand, as it turns out. We have far more promoters than we do detractors. So not only in the early days when we were focusing on, oh, let's follow up with those detractors because they're saying things that made us feel bad because we weren't delivering to their expectations. So you know what? We're leaving a lot of great positive feedback on the table. So we created what we call wow alerts, where our promoters whose comments come in, we celebrate these well alerts, and that became a whole ecosystem of itself. And, and it oftentimes reflects individuals in their feedback. So people love to have compliments. So we celebrate them all over the place. And guess what? Feedback is not dangerous anymore. It's now valued and helpful. And it actually feels pretty good when you get it. So it, but you have to stay with it. You have to stay patient and persistent. And not everybody always goes at the same level of adoption. And when you do have a, a success story to sh- uh, share in one department or group, put it on the board, shine it up there, talk about it, celebrate it. People love to hear success stories. So you build that those bridges over time. And, 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 and that's how these successful stories start manifesting. I love that because a lot of companies are focusing only on the negative feedback and they are trying to find solution. And what you're sharing now is let's focus also on the positive feedback and use the promoters also to get traction within the company, get support and celebrate people that are doing doing great great stuff. I think this is something, a key learning that we can, that you are sharing now, now with the audience that can be easily replicated because you use exactly the same tool but not only focusing on negative feedback, focusing also on the on the positive feedback. That's something- yeah, and even the even the folks that are positive, Greg, I love you, but I wish you could do more of this or less of that. So even when you get positive feedback, these are folks who really want you to be successful. So they're they want to give you guidance on from their point of view what you still could be doing better. That is a gift. That is a gift. So that's the other thing I say. Insight is a gift. You know, it's if you you have the opportunity to unwrap that box and share it, or keep it in the box and just guess at what they're thinking, right? So insight is a gift. But I think what you are saying, that's rich. It's clear. Let's open this uh, box and get out all these gifts. I think what what could be also inter- what is also interesting is you said we get insights and we need to create actions and from these insights there are a lot of actions. How were you able to translate all these ideas, this roadmap into a real strategic plan, and how did you implement that? 
Well, it was getting in, into the like like anything you if you're trying to gear up for a marathon or some sporting event, you have to get your muscles ready. You have to tune up. You have to uh, you have to think about the end in mind. But to get there, you want to create a process, an ecosystem for a str- for strategic success. And like I said, we all own the responsibility of delighting our customers. So the the strategic success here was to uh, create a closed loop management system uh, through our surveys and other things in which when we learn that piece of feedback, that we don't let it sit on the shelf. We, we do the follow-up. We, we say, thank you for it. He said, tell me a little bit more if it wasn't fully made clear. And then clearly when you can fix something, do it. And, and, and then see how that repetitive closed loop actioning takes effect not just with that particular customer but when you put the ecosystem and the technologies in play to see patterns of things well we're seeing a particular fee that people don't understand and they object to all right so maybe a that fee is feeling onerous maybe it's not communicated well maybe we shouldn't be feeing them at all on that and we have taken fees off the table because of fees that just didn't make sense, Greg, right? So in some ways, in many ways, that was a short-term hit to profitability. You're taking fee revenue off the table. But longer term, you are creating a more valuable customer base because now they understand that the bank listens to you. And that's creating loyalty, which has many other success factors. They stay longer, they buy more, they tell their friends to come join you, and they cost you less from a servicing point of view. So even if the short term, for that one example, you might take a hit, longer term, that's where the financial payoffs will be coming in. And that's a little bit of a tougher sell for some folks because, you know, we're, we're oftentimes, what can you do for me today? You know? This is not buying chewing gum at the supermarket checkout station. This is a long game. And creating loyalty is a long-term group effort, and you have to stay with it. What you're saying from a logical point of view, focusing on long-term returns and not short-term returns, it's we everybody's preaching that. But how tough were the discussion with your finance colleagues <laughs> with, with these ideas? Yeah, with, you know, If you ask any CX practitioner, the toughest job that they have is generally tying, you know, the effort and expense in in doing the customer experience job and the financial payoff, right? I often ask, well, I've been in marketing for a lot of years. How often is the chief marketing officer held to that same account? Because they spend perhaps millions of dollars on TV and radio and direct marketing ads. Are they held to account for what returns on their marketing investment? They don't seem to get the same you know, requirement. But because we have a lot of data in CX, and because you know maybe this discipline is a lot newer than marketing or accounting or finance or legal, executives are still trying to figure out its value proposition. So what I have done over the years is try to create a sense of what can we learn, what can we gain from these incredibly important interactions? The the most instructive ones for us so far have been 
the, the saved relationship. The psychological idea of let's save value that we already have on in our books, rather than perhaps the, the, the leap of faith in some cases, the opportunity for financial gain, right? The fear of loss. So in other words, when we've done some of this closed loop stuff, and we've done thousands of them over the years, we can absolutely point to saved at-risk relationships. So when you then learn that you've saved a relationship, it's not only the value of that customer's revenue contribution today or this year, it's that times their expected lifetime value. Because if they left today, you're not only losing today's revenue, you're losing tomorrow, the year after that, the year after that. So these relationship saves have this lifetime value. And, and, when, and these are very clear. And so we've we've brought that into the mindset. And in fact, we are looking at customers' value at risk formulations right now, not just one at a time, but looking at various models, if you will, scenarios in which when you look at a cohort of customers and the level of risk they might have in terms of their tenure with us, the attrition potential or, or loss thereof, we can then model what it is. If you don't do these human engendered activities to create value and what what might you lose if you don't or don't do it well so we're always working toward financial accountability on this it, it's it's really hard because we have to have large models data models and we have to bring this relatively new set of data this experiential data which has not which the organization has not decades of experience with and how that meshes with and marries to all this operational data and how one has influence over the other. So it's it's a it's a process and we're all learners in it and we're all working toward that same goal. But I think the the big advantage is data is objective. You have the data and you can prove what, what you're doing. And perhaps could you share also the impact of your CX work, of the CX work of, of, of the bank? Also, that, does it does it add an impact on the on the financial performance of, of the bank you're working for? Yeah, it absolutely does have an impact. I mean, we did a big financial analysis years ago where we looked at a couple of years worth of history. And we looked at the difference between a, a segment of retail promoters versus their counterparts who are detractors. And over a couple of years period of time, the promoters had 1.3 times the products of the detractors. And then that has a, a mathematical pr- a formula around what value that is. So there's a million ways, I think, to get a financial return on investment. But guess what? We're a public bank right now. And even our investors who have quarterly calls with our leadership team are talking about, besides the financials, what are driving them from a customer experience point of view, uh, how NPS from leading banks around the country are also the higher share price banks because, again, they see the connection between loyalty and revenue. So, you know, it, it is always something we're working toward. We want to have a seat at the table with, at the CFOs you know, office and the CEO and, you know, remind them that, you know, our organization is in business, has started a business to help solve customers' problems, to have them do a job or buy a product that 
achieve some value in their life. And the only way to get value in return is to continue to out-experience, if you will, all of the competitors in your in your in your marketplace. And I think leadership understands that, especially in our industry, when there's no differentiation in banks' products, really, you can't win on price. The margins are too thin and you know they are very competitive. The only competitive frame that is sustainable and differentiable is the is how you delight your customers, the experience that the organization creates for your customers and with your customers. You are saying that like it would be normal, but it's I at least in Europe, I don't know many companies where the investors are already discussing about NPS, long-term value generated and and so on. And therefore it's it's incredible what, what you are sharing. And I think a lot of companies can and should learn from from that. You are a, you have a lot of experiences as a customer experience professional. What are the most valuable lessons you learned throughout your journey, your career? Well, like anything else, this is an evolving discipline. It's right brain, right brain and left brain. There's a lot of data to it, but there's a lot of common sense and relationship building. Yeah, it's a lot of convincing in some cases. Your your own organization to think about outside in thinking and moving away from the inside out, the field of dreams, if you know the reference to the movie. You just can't build something in isolation and hope for the best that your customers will gravitate toward that thing that you're building. It has to be a co-created value proposition. And the only way to do that is by good, sustainable, helpful dialogue. You know, and there's a million ways to do that. What you're what you what you have to train the organization to do is to be mindful of all the ways in which a customer is ready, willing, and able to give that feedback, whether it's in social media, in complaints that they give, conversations between the sales team and the customer. Obviously, the contact center has a lot of dynamics going on. You know, my role reports into the customer service. So how can we take that richness of insight that happens every day in the thousands of conversations that our agents have with our customers because that is gold in terms of understanding that dynamic. So if we can use our tools better to understand what themes out from all of that, we'll have real-time perspectives about what is going on so that we can make course corrections more quickly today. So what I've learned is it's a team effort, right? Well, we have to we have to understand collectively what our role is. It do, and it doesn't matter where you sit in the organization, everyone has to understand that they have a role in delighting the customer. It totally makes sense. And thank you also for taking the analogy with my background, a soccer team. It's a team effort. If the soccer team wants to win the, the match, they need to, to, to play together. I would have thousands of additional questions I would like to ask you, but being respectful of, of your time, we are coming to an end of this game, of this discussion. And in the extra time, in the last three minutes, I have three questions for you. In 10 years from now, we are back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast. What we are discussing about? Well, again, I don't think we're, the discussion will be that far different from the one today. It's still humans doing business with humans. Technologies will always elevate, increase. AI is the big buzzword today. 
Sorry, AI will not replace humans. I hope not anyway. So we have to be understanding that we have a, a responsibility to be empathetic understanders of, of what our customers want and to create relationships, not just tactical ways to get jobs done. Sure, you know, you can go to the bank, make a deposit, but you can have a robotic experience and come away from that feeling, okay, I could have done that from my home, but I wanted to talk to Sally because they understand, you know, what's going on in my life. We have 10 years from now still that responsibility to create an emotionally engaged, connected, helpful experience. Because guess what? In my industry, it's all about trust, right? And it could take years and years and years to build it. It could take one really bad interaction to lose it. So we have to be mindful that when things do go wrong, and they will, whether it's the, 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 the it's generated by the bank or by the customer, something will go wrong. How can you repair it? How can you respond to it? How can you make it better? And that is uniquely a human experience. And I think we have to figure out the best integration of human talent and technology to do that at scale. Tools are helpful ways to do that, but it's going to be some combination of human and technology to create that experience. And I think 10 years from now, we'll still be figuring that out. <laughs> sure. And I'm hoping to have you back on the CX Goalkeeper podcast earlier to discuss the development of your career and of Eastern Bank. What's the best way to contact you? Email r.dorfman at easternbank.com. I'll respond to that. It's 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 an easy way to to gravitate. LinkedIn at rich.dorfman. You'll find me there. I'm very visible. I'm part of the Customer Experience Professionals Association, so CXPA. I, I'm part of that Boston CXPA leadership group. Uh, so you know, there's lots of uh, virtual and in person. If you're local to Boston area pop in one of our in-person or join in virtually from around the world to one of our programs. We invite you all open house. Thank you very much. And I will share all this information also in the in, in the show notes. And now we are coming to the last question. Is rich golden nugget? It's something that we discussed or something new to leave to the audience? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll end it where I started it. You know, the golden nugget is really about doing the right thing, right? It's hard to sometimes do the right thing, you know, for your customers. Sometimes you have to take a short-term hit, but understand that if you really want to engender loyalty, if you want to create a sustainable, long-term, profitable organization, you know, the people that you work with, both the ones who pay the freight, and and we didn't even talk about the employees, and that would be a big mess on my part. You want to make sure that your employees are 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 happy, engaged loyal themselves because you cannot possibly have a happy customer if you have miserable employees. So all the humans that touch your brand, they're the key to the kingdom here. You want to make sure everyone has a is feeling valued, heard, and respected so that we all share in the, uh, the success of the organization. I can conclude only saying thank you very much, Rich, for this great insight. It was a great discussion, and I hope that the audience enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. Thank you, Rich, for your time.
My pleasure, Greg. Have a good one. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it. Share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human environment. Thank you.